0: And a lot of really good stuff, but we were super messed up. And so I never knew which version of my parents I was going to get on any given day, thank you, or in any given situation. So everything was unpredictable, and I really didn't feel safe. Um, so from a really young age, as early as I can remember, I tried to get everything in order to you know, control as much as I can, c- could control, because it felt like there was so much that was completely out of control. Mm-hmm. Little things like being super clean and orderly to, you know, bigger attempts at making everyone happy and never disappointing anyone and meeting everyone's expectations um, so that there wouldn't be a blowout of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, as things progressed, my parents got divorced, my dad left home, and Mm -hmm. my mom, for all intents and purposes, fell apart. And deep down, I didn't know if I was going to be okay, and I didn't know if there was going to be anyone there to take care of me. And, um, you know, Becca talked about some of the biology of anxiety, depression, mental illness, and that's a very real piece. And knowing my extended family, I think I've got some genetic predispositions towards some of this stuff. But there are also some very real environmental factors which um, have very real consequences for our mental and physical health. You know, so since my childhood, I've been anxious and I've been afraid of big things and small things. You know, little things like being late, I'll have a pit in my stomach and a dread of upsetting people, you know, to bigger things, making people angry, not meeting expectations, or just kind of the big cosmic questions, the fear of being alone and unloved in the world. Um, So it's taken me into my 40s and several therapists to kind of realize that there are some valid reasons why I struggle with the things I struggle with. (laughs) You know, anxiety and fear. And I think I've just spent a lot of my life condemning myself for feeling the way I feel, fearing the things I fear, being the way I am. And becoming a Christian in the middle of that, as Becca alluded to, added some different layers to that whole thing. And big picture, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and I was thinking of Psalm 63 um, in verse 1, where um, David says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, and I honestly feel like that's how hearing the gospel felt to me. When I came to the Bible and heard about this God who is love, this unchanging, steady, stable, faithful God who loves me unconditionally, I felt like oh, I've been longing in the desert for this. And so that's, there's that piece of it. But then there's also becoming a Christian taught me that worry is not pleasing to God. And fear is not a part of his plan for me. So I felt a tremendous amount of guilt for my struggles with anxiety. Um, and like Becca said, when I became a Christian, the struggles didn't just go away. I didn't just stop being afraid, you know. Um, and I feel like that's what she was talking about, that walking with God peace, you know, that it's a, how did you say it? Well, I don't even know where Becca is right now, but. Oh, there she is. Uh, it's like a, a partnership thing. I forget the word she used. But um, yeah, uh, collaboration. collaboration, maybe, where, you know, God gives you what you need. He gives you tools. He gives you time and space to grow, but he doesn't just poof. You're not afraid anymore. <laughs> um, so guilt and shame don't typically help us to get well in any area of our lives. Um, Guilt and shame cause us to run and hide. And that is, that's why what Becca talked about is is so important. That's why it's so important that God wants to heal our deepest hurts. Our God wants to meet our deepest needs and fulfill our deepest longings. But in order to do that, we have to come to him. We have to come exactly as we are. And, you know, on Sunday, Bob was teaching and sharing about communion, and he referenced one of my favorite scriptures that I go to all these years later often to remind myself of what is true. Um, Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4, in verse 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So God invites us. In all of our dysfunction to approach him confidently to get what we need whatever grace you need he says come confidently and get it from me you know confident and that word confidence is I would never have described myself as a confident person ever in my whole life Um, because I was always you know insecure not feeling good enough no I don't measure up all that stuff but it's not about that. It's about being confident in who God is. Amen. That it's being confident in God's goodness, being confident in God's love, in his compassion that never runs out, in his mercy that's undeserved. You know, being confident in the nature of our God, not in our own worthiness. And so who is this God? Well, God is love. That's what the Bible says. Like through and through, he, his fabric is love. And what is love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, you know, it's gentle, it hopes, it perseveres, it protects, you know, it, it doesn't dishonor, you know, all those things. So that's what God, that's who God is. Amen. You know, in, in Luke 10, when Jesus is trying to show the people what does it mean, what does love look like? He, he describes the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, that love is like, hey, you're hurting, you're a mess, you're bloody and without resources, I'm going to come right there and be with you in that mess. That's what love looks like, and that's Amen. who our God is. Amen. So whatever you're dealing with or struggling with, God wants to be there with you. No struggle that you're having, no voice in your head, no thing that you're ashamed of is too dark to bring God right there. You know, fear and shame will keep you keep God out of it and you won't get well until God comes into it you know we talked a few weeks ago about the truth we need to not fear the truth of what we're struggling with you know whether it's anxiety or depression or the list goes on and on um you know God rejoices when we come to him just as we are so I just want to share three scriptures with you that have really come to mean so much to me over the past few years Um, The first one is James chapter 1 and verse 2. James 1 verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, I shared with you some of my struggles as a kid. So here I am, I'm 41 years old. I've been a Christian for 25 years. I have a teenager. Um, And I am still learning so much. Still, thank God, I'm still growing. I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for that. But um, I can look back over the years and see progress, but I know I have a long way to go. And so my plan, I've got a plan, is just to keep walking with God. Amen. <laughs> um, this past year was a brutal one for me, I must say. It was a really tough year for me. Um, you guys all know that my mom died this past year. And um, after a really long and brutal illness, two brutal illnesses, Um, Losing my mom brought the grief of losing my dad ten years prior, just right up to the surface. And this whole new feeling of kind of being an orphan in the world, you know, not having parents. It's really odd. Um, My kids faced new and scary challenges of their own that were big. Glenn began revisiting his own past and some of his dysfunction that he grew up around, which was tumultuous for us to go through together. We're, we're still there. But, um, but dealing with new challenges and hurts in our marriage through that whole process that we had never dealt with before. Um, and so, you know, shortly before my mom died, I had a major panic attack um, for the first time in my life. I, I, like I said, I'd always struggled with anxiety, but I had never had something like that. And it was a truly terrifying experience for me. Um, some of you can relate. It's amazing, since I started talking to people about this, how many people can relate. Um, so even though the, the episode itself only lasted, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour, um, the effects of it stayed with me for months. And I walked around constantly with just a death grip of anxiety in my chest and this feeling of panic just below the surface and that this, this fear that I might at any moment just completely unravel. And um, sitting through church was really hard for me. Sitting through midweek was incredibly hard for me. Um, I felt like something was profoundly wrong with me. Um, I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed, like I'm the minister's wife. I'm not supposed to be like terrified all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I would never feel strong again. I felt afraid that I wouldn't be able to take good care of my kids. I felt afraid that Glenn would resent me for having the struggles that I was having. So I was hurting. (laughs) And through this difficult time, God really used James 1, 2 through 4 to lift my spirits and give me hope. You know, I would walk through my neighborhood, and I would just pray. And God kind of just spoke James 1 to me. Danielle, I'm taking you somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere better. A place where you're mature and complete, not lacking anything. So even though in the same breath it felt like my world was crashing, I also felt like God has me and we're going somewhere good yeah. and I don't know how we're gonna get there but, um, <laughs> but he's leading me to be mature and complete not lacking anything um, that that confidence that I'm gonna come through this stronger like not only am I going to come through this but I'm gonna come through it better Amen. and more mature and more complete and not lacking anything because I lack stuff, I I lack peace, I lack joy at times. I, you know, can be in the grip of fear and God's refining that. Amen. And so that fear of mine as a young child that I wouldn't be okay, you know, God was kind of speaking to that and saying, you will be okay. In fact, you are okay. (laughs) You're better than okay, You, you lack nothing. And, um, you know, Denise led a a midweek, uh, early on in our series on perseverance. So I'd encourage you to go back and revisit that because our job is to persevere. God is going to, and even that the strength comes from God, but, but God is leading us somewhere. Um, the second scripture I wanted to share with you is in Isaiah chapter 30. And I read this scripture so many times and I think I've actually shared it publicly with you guys. And it felt like reading like Japanese or just something totally foreign to me, um, but I'm beginning to speak this language. Uh, So Isaiah 30 and verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. So, you know, my whole life, I feel like God has been saying to me, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And for most of my life, I've been saying, no, I will have none of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a plan. I'm going to ride off on a horse and I'm going to control this and that and clean this thing and do my best at that thing. And that's how we're going to handle this thing. And, you know, no God, I will have none of it. And when I, you say it that way, it's like, well, how foolish. But that, that's what anxiety does to me. Um, you know, as a kid trying to get perfect grades and surpass everyone's expectations, that was me trying to achieve peace on my own strength and my terms. You know, as a young Christian trying to be perfect and never mess up, that was me trying to, you know, earn my salvation on my own merit. As a mom, fretting and fearing about whatever illness or challenge was at the forefront with the kids, that was me trying to create safety on my power. You know, um, grieving the slow death of my mom. I think I, w- I was trying to like keep the world from falling apart. You know, like somehow I'm going to hold up the world without even knowing that I was carrying that. Um, so I was fleeing on horses. <laughs> You know, but the painful trials that God allows, or allowed into my life, are all a part of that loving plan for him to help me become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And there were moments, honestly, where it felt like God was trying to destroy me. Like, you guys remember the whole pinworm epidemic that like came back around five times? Like, I was like, clearly he wants me dead. Like, I I can't handle this, you know? And then there was the bed bugs and you know, like, and I laughed, these were not end of the world matters, but I was like, Are, seriously? Like, there's not enough happening right now? Oh, let's have lice. Okay, good, you know? Like, um, and I think a big part of what I needed to learn was, no, he wasn't trying to destroy me. He was very much building me up, taking me somewhere better. <laughs> but I think a lot of what I needed to learn was quietness and slowing down. I think anxiety in particular, is a, drives you, you got to go, you got to do, you got to fix, you got to protect, you got to prevent. And that's what my anxiety, it's like a, a motor that never turns off. And the whole idea of rest and quietness and trust that, you know, repentance is a mind change, right? So in repentance and rest is your salvation. I had to switch my whole mind and I'm still working on it. But God was calling me to rest in him and his ability to save me. So this has not historically been my MO. So I'm I'm about work, about being prepared, about being on top of all the details. But all that doesn't, all that really does is wear us out. It just completely wears us out and we find ourselves spent and exhausted. But strength is found in quietness and trust. And I'm learning this so for me to be quiet requires very deliberate effort you know I have there are certain things like Becca talked about some of the practicals like I have to really be purposeful like I am going to quiet down now and so yoga has been a huge help to me I never thought I would be a yoga person like ever but I it forces me to have that period of time where all my brain is thinking about is breathing deeply, and because I'm like trying to do whatever it is I'm trying to do, I can't think about anything else. My I can't handle it, so I'm just right there in that moment, moving and breathing, and it's amazing. Like my whole stomach starts to like gurgle and rumble, like it's my system's like, ah. <laughs> you know, um, my nervous system relaxes and. I think for a lot of us, for me, I've spent a lot of my life in fight-or-flight mode. Like, when is disaster striking, I am ready to start running. Got my (laughs) shoes tied and, you know, um, but fight-or-flight mode just does a tremendous amount of damage to your system when you stay there. We have to come out of that place and, you know, there's fight-or-flight and then there's rest and digest and we need to go, that's... A doctor said that to me. We've got to go to rest and digest, you know? And I think that's why, honestly, my stomach starts. When I start to rest, it's like everything starts functioning normally, and I'm not in, like, you know, start position for a race. And, you know, but that, for me, that takes effort. It takes work for me to get to a place of quietness. Um, Yoga, taking a long walk in a beautiful place, um... I don't have time to get into that, but there are so many beautiful places. I would encourage you to find them, force yourself. I'm gonna go find a new beautiful place today and walk around there. You know, lying down for 10 or 20 minutes, I'm not, I've never been a nap person. I'm like, if I have 10 minutes, I'm going to wash that thing. And, you know, so choosing, I'm I'm going to lie down and close my eyes and breathe deeply for 10 minutes. And when my thoughts start, I'm just going to come back to breathing, you know, and I'm not very good at this whole meditation thing, but I am trying to slow myself down you know affirmations sometimes when i choose to lie down i'll just say to myself especially kind of during crisis moments like i am okay i am okay and repeating reassuring truths you know i because i actually i really am okay um journaling you know if you need to see a therapist please do if you need to see a psychiatrist please do um establishing healthy routines you know, no one can do this stuff for you. The, the whole self-care thing, the, the taking care of you, the, fi- the educating yourself, the getting to know what it is you're struggling with and finding out how to help yourself, no one can do that for you. So you have to be willing to engage and do that part for yourself. Um, the last scripture I wanted to share is Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the way the world functions, the way mental illness wants us to operate, leaves us completely weary and burdened. But there's another way, and the answer is none other than Jesus Christ. Amen. He offers us a different way. He leads us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He invites us to come just as we are and receive what we need. You know, and I've just taken so much comfort in the fact that, like... God just always knows he all, so many times i'm like i don't even know what i 'm feeling. He knows what i 'm feeling i don 't know what to do. He knows exactly what I should do he 's never at a loss he 's never perplexed He's, he knows and he is guiding um, so my job is to stick with him you know and to keep taking one step after the next and I just wanna to say too, if you are helping someone who's dealing with anxiety, it's a process for them. It's gonna be messy or, or depression or any mental illness. And you as a friend can be so vital. Becca was talking about the power of just listening and being a loving place where someone can go through what they're going through and, and still be loved. But you also need to take really good care of yourself if you're helping someone who's dealing with these things. Um, you will not be able to carry this burden for your friend. You will not be able to fix it, and that's completely fine. That would be stepping outside of the role God has for you. You know, you can play an important part, but it's not, um, you can't fix it. You can't take away their pain, and you can't do the work for them. So as you strive to help, you have to also be still and rest and be renewed, you know, um, And let God strengthen you even as you're striving to help others and you need to make sure there's a team of people helping someone who's going through something difficult like this Um, I remember I started to see a therapist after the panic attack I was like I need as much help as I can get so (laughs) I started to see a therapist um, and she was great and she said I want to be a part of the team I want to be a part of team Danielle (laughs) and I was like "Hmm." Welcome aboard, you know, but like, um, there is a team. I needed a team that I had to be on the team. First of all, I have to be a part of the team that's fighting to help me be well. Glenn was on my team. He helped call and figure out a therapist for me. Cause I was kind of like, just how do you begin? You know, um, God is on my team. My therapist Amen. became a part of my team. I later started to see a psychiatrist because I wanted to explore medication. She became a part of my team. I was seeing an acupuncturist for a while and if money was no object, I still would be, but she was a big part of my team, just both the physical treatments, but also just talking and her wisdom. My sister would just meet me for lunch when I just needed to have some fun and not talk about all kinds of deep stuff. Um, So many of you in this room are a part of my team who just let me cry, who prayed for me and with me, who watched my kids so I could get some time to myself you know, who talked to me on the phone, whether from near or far, who took walks with me, who helped me to laugh, you know, and feel like life wasn't actually ending, although it felt like it at times. And also who, who respected the fact that sometimes I just, I needed to be alone and that was okay too. Um, and I'm super grateful for my team. I'm super grateful for all of you. I, you know, and we, we need a team. Um, so, and if, if being a part of helping someone through something starts to be damaging to you, you need to kind of be aware of that and be able to recognize that and step away. And, you know, there's lots of people who can offer love and support. It doesn't always have to be you. So if, if, being, if you're starting to feel anxious, if you're losing sleep at night, if you, you know what I mean? If it's, you're like, oh, this is, I'm not healthy, then it's probably time to say, let me let some reinforcements step in and let me take care of myself here. Um, So, blah. We've given you guys a lot of um, stuff. And um, I just want to say, wherever you are in your journey, come to Jesus. He will give you rest. He will show you what the next step is. We are not alone, thank God. So, thank you guys so much for listening to us and opening your hearts to this. We hope it's helpful. Um, Does anyone have anything they would like to share or ask in the next few minutes, or are we just kind of at capacity? Devki, <laughs> so, okay? So, this is gonna be really hard for me to say. Okay. Um, do I have to get up and stand it? Yeah. Oh, you're fine right there. So, like, uh, back in my sophomore year, I was getting bullied a lot relentlessly, and I went, My head jumped to suicide and suicide thoughts, and I remember the day I-